Our text is Revelation chapter 9, verses 1 through 11. Revelation chapter 9, verses 1 through 11. How are people tormented eternally? Now, most of the messages to begin with were straight from other parts of the New Testament. Uh, and then, more recently, we've been hitting on this passage because this is how we're going to close out on this subject is in chapter 9. But the one thing I want you to understand is that part of our uh, reason for hitting all these different things, because the, the world just draws a picture. There's Satan with a pitchfork, you know, and, and, and then uh, there's fire around, and that's for the most part about it. And that misses it. First of all, Satan is tormented there. The devil and his demons do not, do not torment. They are tormented. And it was prepared for them to be tormented there. But somewhere, man fell back in the day of the garden. And as a result, men who die without Christ go there as well. So therefore, we needed a Savior. And Jesus Christ is that Savior. And what a blessing that is. So as we read in Revelation chapter 9, verse, beginning with verse 1, And the fifth angel sounded... And I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. Now, let me just kind of insert there before I read uh, verse 2. A star fall from heaven. We've told you that the star is actually an angel. But a star fall from heaven doesn't mean, well, he tripped and fell and come down and hit the earth. No, it's like saying a huge, a very huge meteorite striking the earth and the damage that would cause. And that's not the actual thing that's happening, but it's an angel that is sent on a mission by God to this earth. And so let's read more about that beginning here on verse 2. And he opened the key, and he opened the bottomless pit, and there was a smoke out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth. And unto them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing nor any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but they should be tormented five months. And their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. And in those days shall men seek death, and shall not find it, and shall desire to die. And death shall flee from them. And the shape of the locusts were like unto horses prepared into battle. And on their heads were, as it were, crowns like gold. Remember, terminology, as it were, likened unto, as, means it's symbolic. It's not literal. So it's not a literal crown on their head of gold, but it's like that. Okay? Okay. And so it says, so there was crowns like gold, and their faces were as 
the faces of men, although not real men. Now, these are not demon-filled insects, some try to uh, say, I don't believe. And many good men have said that. But these are creatures that are made for that pit, to be a part of the torment. And now they're being loosed during the tribulation hour on, uh, on earth. But we'll see more about that as we have a word of prayer than we get into the message today. Father, this is your word. And it's true. I realize that men don't like sermons on hell. They call it fear-mongering. And yet Noah moved with fear, built an ark. And we're here today because he did. But Father, we understand that an all-holy God we don't have the comprehension in this flesh to understand of the all-holiness of God. But you're willing to cleanse, as the song was sung this morning, by the blood of Jesus, the sinner's heart. You can take the guttermost and save them to the uttermost. You can cleanse the vilest sinner. And so I thank you for that, Lord. And Father, I pray that one who is not sure if they died today, that heaven's their home, that you'd speak to their heart today, and that they would come to you for their salvation in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Now, uh, in this series, as we've said in other parts of the New Testament, we, we delved into them to see some of these torments. And then I went away from this study temporarily, just, just temporarily. Uh, the Lord just gave me some things to preach, and I preached those for several weeks. But now, I want to go back to it, and perhaps you're wondering, now why go back when we're heading into the month of the celebration of Christmas? Why would you do that? Well, that's uh, really uh, something that we need to understand, is that Jesus Christ came to save us from our sin. Matthew 18, 11 says, the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. And, and the reason I, I quote that verse from Matthew 18, 11, people started translating the Bible to take things out they didn't like. And yet, all these translators, when they changed the Bible, uh, as our King James has it out today, they would say, well, we didn't take out anything that was important. And a lot of those Bibles, they took out Matthew 18, 11. Some of them, they put it in brackets, said this should not be in there. So I ask you, is it important that Jesus Christ came to come to save that which was lost? Yes, it is. So you know who those corrupted translations are from. It's because they're using cor corrupted manuscripts. They're telling the truth when they say they don't find it in their manuscripts. They don't have the right manuscripts. So I'm just pointing that out is to say that it's important that we understand the real purpose of Christmas. Jesus Christ coming to save us from our sin. Without that, Christmas is only a party that's vain and leads to broken homes. Now, we concentrated more on verses 3 through 6 in the recent sermons. The pit is open, and there's a smoke that ascends out of this pit. 
But this is during the tribulation hour that's going to come upon the face of this earth. If you're saved, you're going to miss it. You won't be here for the tribulation. We'll be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. The Bible says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. Oh, what a great promise that is. It's a great promise. In 1 Thessalonians, we're told that we'll be caught up. You know, it's, it's interesting that there are people that say, well, the word rapture is not in the Bible, so you're at fault for teaching it. Well, the word caught up comes from the Greek word harpezo. The Latins translated it into their language as raptura. And so we just took raptura and made it rapture. But if people say, I don't like the word rapture, that's fine, okay. Well, you be there in the caught up. Okay. And, and so sometimes you can just show how ignorant an argument is in the fact that they're speaking out of uh, something they've heard and not something what they know. And so that's always what you've got to be careful of, of those that speak. They can have a lot of letters after their name, but they may not have Christ in their heart. So again, uh, the saved will miss it. There'll be a rapture. We'll be caught up to be with the Lord. And then sometime after that rapture here on earth, uh, it's not the rapture that begins the tribulation, but right after the rapture sometime, how long? I have no idea. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly when, but we do know that it will start when a world leader, we call him the Antichrist, the Bible also calls him the beast, when he signs a contract, you might say, when he makes a covenant with Israel. And when he makes that covenant with Israel, That'll begin the seven-year period of tribulation. Tribulation like this earth has never known. Now, this angel then, when he falls from heaven, that is, he comes here and out uh, ascends this darkness. And then these locusts, they have stings that are likened to scorpions. And it's a picture for us because that's literal. And yet, it's coming out of the pit. It's coming out of hell. Now, I believe, and this is a personal belief of mine, that hell right now is in the center of the earth. It's the abode of spirits who died without Christ. They don't have a body that they died in, but they do have a body. That body is also one their spirit dwells in, but it can feel just like our human body would feel pain, would feel fire, would feel heat, would feel everything else. And it is, can have the torments of pain, it can have the torments psychologically. The torments of hell. People don't realize this, but I think one of the great works of grace of God in the tribulation because some people will be able to get saved in the tribulation. It's for this smoke to ascend out of the pit. And these locusts to come out. And they'll be able to see. See clearly. What hell is like. Although they can't see the locusts. Because it's so thick the darkness. 
but they can hear the sound of their wings. And all the fear. And yet, there'll be those preaching the way of salvation. And now they see that there is a choice. I can be put to death, beheaded as many will be in the tribulation by this Antichrist. Beheaded while I'm still alive. Oh, but that's just a, for a moment. That spirit departs from the body and he goes to be with the Lord. Revelation 6 talks about the spirits that are under the altar in heaven. Saying, oh Lord, holy and true, how long? Meaning, when are we going to get that glorified body like the saints that were raptured up? They're just waiting. Okay, and so that's one of the things about it there. And so I think right now it's in the center of the earth. When that door is open, the pit is open, that smoke comes out and this, these things come out. But it's not the demons that are coming out. It's these locusts that are, have the stings of scorpion as well as the smoke. And there's nothing the men can do to escape that which torments them. You remember when we covered the rich man in hell? He said, I am tormented in this flame. He didn't say the flame torments me. He says, I am tormented in this flame. There's something else going on besides just the flame. We've told you that when a person dies without the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, their spirit goes to hell and has this body, and, and not their present earthly body, but it's all, it's all as if the same circumstances existed, except an earthly body would pass away. Theirs won't. Theirs won't. It won't cease to exist. There's no escape, eternally hopeless. And then at the very end of the time of man's history, when there's a white throne judgment, and eternity, not just eternal life for those who are saved, but eternity for those who rejected salvation. When eternity is set up, what is hell now? With all of its torments, <clears throat> We're told death and hell are cast into the lake of fire. It doesn't cease. It continues. That's why we have told you that when we look at death, which means separation. What do you mean separation? It is separated from God. The second death, separated from God because you died physically without Christ, the second death is separated forever from God. And in that day, in hell and then the lake of fire. These locusts sting. So here these people are in the tribulation. And they feel it. And this torment is so strong, it's so bad, it's so hard. They can't escape. They want to kill themselves. Evidently, it has a paralyzing effect, and so they can't even kill themselves. They're in pain. Those that would want to help them won't because their wings sound like the sound of many chariots going to battle. We'll learn later in verse 9. 
The skies are dark. Hell's a place of outer darkness. That's the idea you could put your hand in front of your face and not see it. And here they are, this darkness. And men beginning to understand that this is just the vestibule of what hell and then eternity in the lake of fire will be for them. I've heard theologians talk about the dark holes. Remember the dark holes in space out there, and we talk about those dark holes. And some believe that that's where this lake of fire is. I don't know that is the truth or not. But we do know this is the truth, that there is a literal dark hole called hell. Not what we're talking about in space. We're talking about that eternity in the lake of fire. This thing that they had though on the earth during the tribulation lasts only five months. But they fill it and it continues throughout the five month period. Boy, when they're healed, you would think the first thing they'd want to do is be saved. Brother Woodard's teaching in in our uh, Sunday school class about the book of Ruth. And he touched on judges how God would send a judge, he would save Israel, then they'd go back to the old ways. Save them, go back to the old One after another, 13 different judges. Get saved, go back. Get saved, go back. Get saved, go back. Well, I'm safe now. I can go back to doing those sinful things again. They do that in the tribulation. That's it for them. So, when I look at all of that, what they're, what's happening to them, I think, what a way, what a terrible way to learn about the holiness of God and the greatness of our sin's offense to His holiness. Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that does include me. That does include you. We've come short of the glory of God. And that glory is Jesus Christ. I'm not compared to you, and you are not compared to me. We're not compared to the best man on this earth. We're compared to Jesus Christ. As a result, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin, didn't say the wages of big sin, the wages of of. of homosexuality, of murder, of drugs, of, of drunkenness. And, oh, no, it doesn't say that. The wages of sin is death. Final, complete separation forever from God in that eternal lake of fire and torment. Forever. This deserved punishment for mankind can be overcome but only by Jesus Christ who left heaven's glory. For God, who is a spirit, dwelt as a spirit throughout eternity past. He spoke the worlds into an existence. Psalms 33 tells us. God is a spirit. He created the heavens and the earth. Speaking of Jesus, it says, Without Him was not anything made that was made. Yes, that's Jesus Christ our Lord. But when man sinned, 
through the temptation of Satan who had already fallen. A hell prepared for the devil and his angels. Man was tempted and he fell. And that would be his destiny unless there's a Savior. So God, Emmanuel, oh, but we hear that this Christmas season. Emmanuel, God with us. That's why he's with us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the love of God. He paid a penalty that he didn't have to pay for us, but he did because he loved us. Oh, we'll be partaking of the Lord's Supper tonight. Keep that in mind. What that blood, that flesh suffered for you and me. He left heaven's glory to come and die. For our sins. And the, that the wrath of Almighty God who created the heavens and the earth. Almighty God who destroyed with the flood of waters. Almighty God who has the winds in his fist. Who directs the course of all the stars. He that sets the bounds of the oceans and the rivers. Almighty God. His love is great, but His wrath against sin is also great. And the almighty wrath of God was poured out upon the human spirit of Jesus Christ. For you and for me. And while we were yet sinners, just like we are, Christ died for us. That dying was not just a physical death, somebody dying there. No, the idea is he took on him the full outpoured wrath of Almighty God upon his spirit. For us. A lot of gifts will pass at Christmas time, but the greatest gift is the gift of God, which is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, but it's only through Him, and it's through repentance and faith as we accept the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ on our behalf. First John 2, 2 says, but He is the propitiation, the entire payment for our sins, and not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. That's why the song that was sung this morning in solo, Let the Lower Lights Be Burning, with some lost seaman, you may rescue, you may save. Oh, my friend, let the light of God shine through your life. No devil can be saved, but a human can, if they'll come to Jesus Christ. You know, he offers the gifts. Some have been given gifts that have to be redeemed by a certain date. Maybe you have. And say, here, you can get this, but it has to be redeemed by such and such a time. But, you forget about it, set it aside, and the time passes. 
and now it's of no value for you. Jesus offered the gift of eternal life. And my friend, the failure to redeem it is the failure of the person that had the opportunity once he had it. Had the offer of it. So understand, there is a deadline. You die without Christ, you've hit the deadline. The fault is not with the giver, rather with the one who had the chance and didn't do anything about it. Especially after Jesus paid it all. But if you'll receive it, John 1, 12, but as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name, which were born, and not of blood. No, you're not born a Christian. Because your parents were saved doesn't mean you're saved. Not of blood, nor the will of the flesh. Boy, I'm going to try my hardest. I'm going to work really for this thing, and I'm going to get it. No. Nor the flesh. Nor the will of man, John 1.13 says. In other words, oh, you get theologians and others that design these little things. Well, you know, if we do this and if we do that, uh, we'll let this happen. We'll do that. No. It says, but of God. He tells us the way of salvation. There's no other way but Jesus Christ. Central Baptist Church doesn't get you to heaven. The Catholic Church doesn't get you to heaven. The Muslim religion does not get you to heaven. There is no religion that gets you to heaven. Only Jesus Christ. He is the truth. He is the way. He is the life. And no man comes unto the Father but by Him. And so my friend, may we who are saved have a greater degree of compassion that we might seek to rescue the perishing and care for the dying. To have a greater passion for that and a greater concern for that than we do the fear of men rejecting us. Men saying bad things about us. Not being our friends. Oh, don't let the fear of man and the desires of your flesh keep us from giving the gospel to a lost and dying world. Let's be sensitive to the Lord and pray that He'd help each of us to develop that are saved a true passion and compassion for the souls of men. I worked in the bus ministry. My first church, I started the bus ministry here. Uh, my father was, got it started here. I worked on the buses here for several years before we went away to school. But you see, I can remember going in the home, of a home that had about, I'd say about seven to eight children in it living in about a two-bedroom house. Children in rags. Mom and dad had come into some money. Mom went out and bought her a new station wagon. Dad bought him a new ham, ham radio. But there wasn't clothes for the children. 
We've had bus children get saved here that are in full-time ministry. We've had bus children that got saved and baptized, but their parents wouldn't even come to watch them get baptized. That's the influence they have in the home. And so praise God for those bus workers that go out and they knock on doors and say, we would love to take your uh, boys and girls to Sunday school and church on the bus. Because if we don't have that, there's many boys and girls that will never hear the gospel of Christ. Praise God for those that work on the bus ministry. Maybe God would call you to do the same. Yes, he told us to rescue the perishing. Care for the dying. Why? Because Jesus is merciful, Jesus will save. But then you look at verses 6 and 7. And he says there, And in those days shall men seek death, and shall not find it, shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. And the shapes of the locusts were likened to horses prepared unto battle, and their heads were like, and their heads were, were as it were like crowns of gold, and their faces were as the faces of men. Again, these aren't demon-filled insects, no. But I do want to say this. You and I lack the capacity to understand what the holiness of God is as Christians. I mean, he says, be holy for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Not fastening yourselves according to the former lust. Don't even try to make your religion like into that. Israel did that throughout their history. They tried to make their faith. They, they still were Jews. They still offered sacrifices. They still did everything, but they tried to emulate those that worshipped Baal and, and, and try to do those things. Even the golden calf in the wilderness. They did that unto Jehovah, but it was like the world in Egypt. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 through 24 says, putting off the old man, which is corrupt, according to the evil lust, and put on the new man, which is created in righteousness and true holiness. You see, one of the greatest affronts we as Christians have towards the Lord is Number one, our lack of separation from the world and sin. Number two, our lack of commitment to Jesus Christ. Number three, the lack of being a light. We sing all for Jesus, but really in most cases all for self. Do you have a child unsaved? Do you have a spouse unsaved? Uh, do you have parents that are unsaved? Do you have children that are making choices that are bad choices? They're adults, but they're about to mess up their lives by the choices they're making, and you know that, and though you warned them, nothing can happen. You say, I warned them. And you may have. But friend, 
besides praying at home, when's the last time you come to the altar and prayed for that child, for that loved one, for that soul? When's the last time we gave a track? When's the last time we gave a witness? So I ask you the question, do you actually believe what the Bible says about hell is true? I can tell you it is. But friend, what kind of compassion do we have? Because hell is an appropriate punishment in the sight of an all-holy God. You might say, I don't think it's appropriate. I just think that's fear-mongering. One day, before God, you'll change that tune. And you'll join the saints in heaven singing, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. But let's not wait to then to get a compassion for the souls of men because then it'll be too late. But if you're not sure if you die today that heaven's your home, one second, the very second you die, your spirit passes into that place called hell. And then it's eternally too late. 2 Corinthians 6, 2 says, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Will you come to Him? Will you come to Him? Let's bow our heads, please.